0: Oh, yeah, oh, that's, the one, that's the one comment I had from last week. Can you not sound like you're suicidally bored when we do the intro? <laughs> 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 you're listening to Nick and Andrew. <laughs> oh, wow. This, oh,
1: is, this is just my cue, you know, i just wait. Right, fine, I'll yeah, start. A bit of a
0: bit of a bit of a bit of a Hello and welcome back to the Cine Rambles podcast. You're listening to Nick...
1: Andrew!
0: <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming.
1: <laughs> You're going to have to leave the preamble or I'm going to sound like a complete freak.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do a little cold open. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, and we're here with your your weekly fix of film-related ramblings and reviews. Uh, so Andy, what have you been watching this week? Oh, lots of things. So i would be watching Annihilation, mm-hmm.
1: and I watched Lords of Arabia
0: today, Ooh, actually. Finally. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: How many weeks has it been since we did 12 Angry Men? <laughs> uh, like three. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yep. Right. Um. Shall we get on to some correspondence then? Sure. Um, so the main thing I've got from a couple of sources, actually, um, is in relation to our Texas Chainsaw Massacre discussion from last time... Uh, well you <laughs> talked about how fake The props look Particularly the um, skeletons and stuff Yeah But I, I've been pointed out by at least two people That actually <laughs> it's a lot cheaper To m- obtain real bones Than make fake ones There so yes. probably are uh, real ones Actually in that scene Yeah well look <laughs> um... Well I feel like you're being a politician Being grilled <laughs> 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 Well I, I don't Fine, like a couple of the
1: things do look real, but when you walk in and all you see is fucking skeletons and like all the spooky bone hands and all that bullshit, all I could think of was like, oh, someone's tried to make like a, uh, you know, one of them rooms they lock you in, you gotta get yourself out, lock <laughs> an escape room, an escape room. That's it. They just look like someone's made like a spooky escape room, <laughs> and it's been like, oh, look at all the spooky things, and here it is. But the but thing is, my my point still stands. Like, it, it's so unbelievably famous that it's a caricature of itself. Like, it just looks... Everything is based on it, so it just looks goofy yeah. now, doesn't
0: it? <laughs> so you, your objection isn't to the specific quality of the props no. themselves.
1: Like, the props are fine, you know, it's passable. Like, you see it and you're like, oh yeah, that's definitely a, 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 a skull or a hand or bones or whatever. Like, I haven't got a problem with that. My problem is with the uh, the iconography itself.
0: I love the image I've got in my head of you <laughs> teaching at an anatomy class at the university. I'm like, that is indeed a skull. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. We've got anything else to mention?
1: Um. Well, some people liked our. They said they were fans of the fundamentals and yeah. of the education Andrew things. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, um, we we've heard um, from these same people that actually the um, our discussions on like film theory and stuff, like things like the French New Wave from a couple of episodes back, are actually quite you know sort of refreshing to have that kind of film theory laid out. So might try yeah. and do, incorporate some more of sort of maybe like an educational side of Sydney Rambles and try and like you know talking through film theory. Yeah. Because
1: I was worried about that, because especially when we're having those conversations, especially about Dogma 95, because that's quite... That's quite obscure, yeah. Yeah, quite obscure. Like, I was worried that, you know, we are both have film degrees. Like, I was worried that people who don't have that would be like, what are they talking about?
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) But apparently it's nice to... People like being educated about it, which is good. So we can... Talk um, more about those kind of things.
0: Yeah, so in future, I'll, I'll try and work more of like a, a format where we can talk about those like specifically. I think, yeah, that'd be good. And if you at home have any other ideas, suggestions of what segments you'd like to see on the show, you can email us at cinerambles at gmail.com.
1: <laughs> there it is. There it
0: is. And also you can in. send in reviews and questions and counter-arguments and you know blistering insults, whatever you want. The inbox is open. <laughs> It gobbles it up, so, you know. It's oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how I get to sleep at night, knowing I'm appreciated <laughs> in the world. Right. Um, before we get on to, like, our main things today, I've just got to quickly talk about a show that I've been watching the past couple of days. It's on BBC2, I think, around dinner time. It's called Animal Park. So it's, like, your standard sort of um, documentary stuff about, like, oh, what do zookeepers do at the zoos, looking after the animals and stuff. Yeah. Except for, this is probably the most sexual rendition of that format I have ever seen <laughs> in my life. Like, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Every single segment is about, oh, these penguins aren't fucking. <laughs> 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 we've, we've introduced some new hunky boys to for all the females. <laughs> <And> I've <like,
1: laughs> seen what you're talking about. and I, yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean.
0: But like, to people who haven't seen it, you'll be like, oh no, it's probably not like that. It's probably quite frank. No, it isn't. It feels like a TV exec has been like, how can we get the standard, you know, Joe blogs to be interested in zoology? I don't know, sex cells make it so sexual. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was the other day, they had an extended series of edits of Tiger's Fucking with the, like, the Doffman theme playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't make this shit up. <laughs> Oh my god, why? Like, there's. So, you know, if you get like a, a full frontal shot of some like male genitals in a film, that's almost certainly going to get you like a hard 18 from BBFC. But extended shot of some tiger bollocks, nah, put them on in prime time, mate. BBC <laughs> Two, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's so weird. And like, they have. Like, they had this penguin that had, like, been cheating around with the women. These like, need their words. And then was, like, left without our mate. So they showed it, like, standing on a rock and playing, like, some sad pop song and, like, desaturated <laughs> the image. I was like, what are you doing? I reckon, I reckon
1: it's the editor must be just... You know, making memes out of it.
0: Well, see, I thought yeah, that. But, like, this, this like, f- sexual philosophy, like, permeates every single aspect of the show. And it's like, there's got to be a producer doing this. <laughs> That's <is> really weird. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, man. And then also, my la- last thing before I move on, I just wanted to tell someone about this, because this is like, the highlight of my week so far. But they were like oh, yeah, we, we need to prove that these uh, these wolves are fucking, so we're going to film them from a long distance on this telephoto lens. And it's like, oh, we we got to get in close and make sure we get the money shot. <laughs> 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 like, what?
1: My God, why? Oh. well, wow. But that's Animal Park. <laughs> that's weird. Uh. All that aside, though, that show is actually quite interesting. Oh yeah, I mean it. It, it is fascinating, but it's it's so I weird. I found out from that show, right? <laughs> that otters are uh, they counted as class A predators?
0: Oh, I've no you know understanding that? the class system of predators. No,
1: well, is predators live A live top? System, yeah, yeah. A is the top. I'm guessing.
0: Yeah, see, so, yeah, class system permits even the animal kingdom. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Okay.
1: Right. Anyway, we move on? yeah.
0: Um, <clears throat> let's move on. So, it's Andrew's film education. Yay! Do, 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 do. We do need jingles, actually, don't we? <laughs> we do need jingles. Um, so maybe
1: before... that could be the jingle. Do, 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 do We do need jingles.
0: Actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll get right on it. Um, <laughs> before we get into uh, this week's Andrew's film education, I've got a little follow up from last. Well, not last week's. Last. Last time we did this. (laughs) Um, It's actually uh, uh, four weeks ago. Four weeks ago. There we go. A whole month has passed. Um, But yeah, because during 12 Angry Men, you said that was the best courtroom drama you've ever heard. Uh, Seen. Heard? Seen. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, But just, I've got got the list open just while I ask this. Um, Have you seen To Kill a Mockingbird? Uh, I've seen the play... (laughs) I have not seen the uh, thing. Okay, that's going down. Um, Also, have you seen A Few Good Men?
1: I have seen the courtroom scene from that, but I have not seen the whole film, no.
0: Okay. I'm not saying those are better... In fact, Around* is probably better than, but it just got me thinking courtroom dramas. There's some really banging courtroom drama films out there. Yeah. So add those to the list. Um, Yeah, so this week's film is... Andrew of Arabia. Oh, it hell. I genuinely <laughs> had to think which way round I was going to do that then. Oh my god. I thought I could surprise you, but I do I can do both and splicing in spite of the one I like. Yeah, here we go. Go for it. It's Lawrence Andrew of Arabia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, that's by far the worst one. So, so the
0: best one?
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess.
0: But yeah, so Andy has watched uh, the 1962 David Lean epic, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Certainly epic. It is certainly epic. So, um, so for those who don't know, this is the story of uh, T. E. Lawrence, who was a British general in First World War. Uh, he was stationed in Cairo and sent into the. Um... um. Actually, he wasn't a general. I don't know. I don't know military rankings. <laughs> he was a lieutenant. Lieutenant, sure.
1: And then he was a ma- uh, major.
0: Mm.
1: And then he was a colonel.
0: Colonel, that was it.
1: I did it actually did. look up like. British military hierarchy, so I knew, like, whereabouts those standings are.
0: Right, I know is one of the higher ones, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so General yeah. is, is like, the highest. Okay.
0: Um, and then it's, you know, all of the ones underneath that. You also have to understand, Andy, I watched this in preparation for the, the podcast about a month ago now. <laughs> so i am now... <laughs> I might as well have just re-watched it yesterday. Well, kidding. yeah. Um... But yeah, so they go across into the Arabian desert, he goes across into the Arabian desert to sort of deal with the Turkish uprising problems over there. And, you know, he becomes this great sort of military icon as he sort of helps them yeah. take back their land. Yeah. So. And he has this sort of, yeah, so, well, it's, it's, right. it's so
1: it's close to four hours long.
0: Yep. as three and three quarters, to be precise, I think.
1: Yeah. But with a 10 minute intermission or whatever. Mm. Um. It is good. It is okay. surprisingly engaging. Yes, throughout, like I was never bored. Like I, I never, like, checked my phone throughout or whatever. I was just watching the film. Like it is, does keep you engaged,
0: which was. <laughs> Andy, I know that's uh, like so you. You got on your phone and bitched to me about your sound setup. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that
1: was that was once.
0: <laughs> Did you fix that in the end? No, I just dealt with it. Oh. Well, it's because pro- it's probably other than aside. It's probably because um, if it was set to like five point one, and if you've got yeah. like just a, a stereo or mono setup, it'll just like it'll pan the wrong channels. But,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: it really did. It
1: was very annoying.
0: Yeah. Anyway,
1: um, anyway, um, so I mean, my initial reaction is that I am. Um, it's it feels really anticlimactic. Yeah. So, spoilers, obviously, but. So the whole thing is, like, leading up to the uh, Arab uprising against the Ottomans and taking uh, Damascus, which is, like, a really important Ottoman-held city. And it's like, oh, if they can take that, they can beat the Ottomans and and win the war or whatever. Um, And you have this whole scene with, like, the British army, like, okay, we'll march on these fronts and these fronts. And then Lawrence is going around the side with his... his, uh, Arab army, right? Yeah, and trying
0: to beat and, you know, the British I, to it.
1: Yeah, and I was like, oh shit, okay, here we go. This is going to be a great war scene, It's going to be, like, really cool. We're going to have all of the, you know, this big fight over Damascus. And then the next scene, like, the Brits show up to Damascus, and it's like, lol, yeah, we're already here. Yeah. It's like, oh. <laughs> it feels like the budget ran okay. out, did not it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really does, like, because they just had this really, like, pivotal scene of um, them... The Arab army, led by Lawrence, like, uh, murdering all of this Ottoman supply line. Mm. (laughs) And I was like, oh shit, this is just the beginning. We're going to see him, like, slaughter a load of Ottomans and you see his, you know, like, downfall or whatever. No, no. (laughs) <laughs> it was just like, yep, we've taken Damascus two days early. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you're not going to show us that yeah. clearly and, important event.
0: <laughs> and then not only to like, they, you know, they seize off screen and then like about 10 minutes later, like, oh yeah, we can't actually hold it. So we'll just, we'll just leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. I was like,
1: oh my God.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you sort yeah. of
1: lost me towards the end. But some of the beginning, like the first half is definitely, or the, the at least the first, mm pre first half before the intermission yeah so so the first, first, first two, two, hours, two hours of the
0: film are really really yeah. good that's that's exactly what i was going to say like the, f- the first chunk of the film i think is like fantastic like genuinely like one of the best sort of like
1: i honestly feel i thought it was if i didn't re- know that it was four hours long or close yeah. to four hours long i i genuinely thought it was going to end where the intermission was
0: yeah it does kind of feel like a complete film there doesn't it because the act yeah. sort of um takeover seems like it's it's its own climax really
1: yeah I think
0: that's um, it's it's another city isn't it (laughs) no
1: no it's a a military outpost well yeah but the
0: great thing about it is because they've already established like oh Akabara is like this it's impossible to take because it's like got Mm. such a great you know naval defense the only way to take it by land but through this impossible desert so like fuck it we'll just go through the desert and it's like oh well that's a great that's the overcoming the, the odds you know yeah, that's and I ending. thought like
1: that was an an amazing part, like and, and that's like a really good climax because they obviously still had some budget then because you at least really see the cavalry charge. Yeah, on 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 that, and it was like that bit was really really good.
0: Yeah, and I know the, the general just scale of the film is amazing. Like, just I mean, a lot of people say like they don't make it like they used to anymore, which is a phrase I have many problems with. But in Lawrence of Arabia, it's at least somewhat true because like just the sheer scale and size of those sets and the like number of extras and horses and stuff. Yeah. Like it's so genuinely epic.
1: A, a modern problem. Mm. <laughs> I know that where we this is going. Can't not bring up okay. is um Alec Guinness in blackface.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Which is very problematic because they went you know they obviously weren't against hiring Arab actors because Yeah. Like Omar Sharif is Yeah, exactly. He's he's in it. Almost all of the extras are also Arabic it's like why not just hire one to play the prince like that's hmm. obviously not an impossibility but no they just blacked up Alec Guinness instead.
0: The only thing I can think of is it must have been maybe star power related but I mean Peter O'Toole wasn't like not a star at least back then although this is his most famous film role but like he did yeah. done other stuff so I don't know if like they need Alec Guinness as well. Or... I will say it.
1: he looks the casting of him is amazing because he looks so similar to actual T. E. Lawrence, like, oh really? It's, yeah, it's shocking, like how much he
0: looks like him. I think also his his performance in general, like, because obviously the whole film is clearly about him and his sort of his complete change of character from this sort of quite, uh, sort of slightly bizarre sort of, but also like, un, you know, won't kill kind of like pacifist, uh, guy into like this complete like, yeah, like a kernel of this entire Arabian revolt. Yeah. like it, that, that that is sort of the key point in the film I think that is also portrayed he has, so well also
1: the, 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 I think you're right like they were running out of budget towards the end of the film because they have this whole bit like another bit that I um I thought was going to be a, a big climactic fight um uh, just wasn't um when I think it uh, I believe it's no I don't know if it is at Damascus or whatever but he's like I'm going to single-handedly walk in there and start the Arab revolt
0: Mm.
1: and then he gets caught by the general and whipped a bit and then oh yeah and then chucked in the sewer you know that yeah bit. <laughs> which is
0: really strange the second half of the film is definitely like weaker like if if i was to do rate i haven't been doing rating of books on the podcast but if i was to rate Lawrence Araby, like first first part is a nine the second half is like a seven bordering on six yeah definitely yeah yeah
1: 100 yeah, i agree because
0: yeah it feels because like I mean, the, the like, um, its second part starts off well. Like, I like the um, all the stuff like the train raids, like a really good like couple of sequences, and like we get yeah, we yeah, see. Yeah, train raids are good. Yeah, because yeah, the great thing is that the intermission and that gap actually helps save the story because it takes that opportunity to jump forward in time a bit, and we see this change in his character, and like yes. the, the change between those two enough communicates all this like without you know without telling us. It's just like look, look how much he's changed in like a few weeks or whatever. I thought that was a really cool way to do it. But yeah, I've, I sent. I think you only have to go to whatever place that is. It starts to go downhill.
1: Considering, so another like small, like, there's a lot of bits I like about it. Like the first half is really, really good and you see yeah. his character grow a lot in that. But again, in the almost all of my complaints is to do with the second half of the film. Which is, yeah, same. You know. um, so something I really liked <clears throat> in the second part was you know how it, when he, he gets shot in the arm. Yeah. And then the guy who shot him in the arm is there with like Pointed the gun at his head like shooting and missing and he just doesn't even flinch, like it's amazing. And And he just
0: watches the other guy come over and kill him.
1: Yeah, and then the reporter's like, Oh, aren't you in pain? Or the other the other colonel's like, Oh, aren't you in pain or whatever? And he's like, No, I can't feel any pain because they say only a a golden bullet can kill me. Yeah. And it's just like that's when he's starting to believe what everyone thinks of him, you know. It's when his Messiah complex
0: is properly setting in. We get that when he stands on the train with this, like, silhouette, the billowing white robes. It's, like, it's a really great imagery in that film.
1: Yeah, there is some amazing... Like, the cinematography in that film was uh, just so good. Considering its length, Mm. like, you get this... You get his rise to the, you know, this Messiah-like figure, and then you get him starting to believe it. But then you jump straight from that to him being, like, this... Ruthless executioner, and then dr- jump jumps straight from that to him being like, Oh, yeah, I'm gonna go home now.
0: Yeah, that's that's the main problem. With, like part two is his, his arc then sort of just goes all over the place because he's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm Lawrence Arabia bitches, I'm gonna do it. And then he like has that one run in in um thingy, whatever that place is called. Yeah, and I Ben is really... like, yeah. yeah, and then he's like immediately he's like, Nope, I'm going home, this has not worked out. It's like, Okay, fine, you had a quite traumatic experience there, but then about a scene later, he's like, Actually, fuck it, I'm just gonna do it, I'm just gonna <laughs> lead the army. It's like, what was that about then?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's obviously, despite Alec Guinness in blackface, it's surprisingly good on racial, yeah, in you know relations, mm. like considering its time and considering it's got blackface in it, you know.
0: Yeah, like for the most part, the rest of the characters of, of that race are like much, you know, really well rounded and sort of like, yeah, you know, there's no other real stereotypes really.
1: Yeah, like. But also they're not just painted as evil, you know, like at the beginning, he's like, oh, you're barbaric mm. and you're evil and, you know, your feeds and everything. And then obviously he then falls in love with the country and then doesn't think that of those people. And that's a learning process, isn't it? Yeah. And also he really hates that the rest of the the white British officers are being racist to the people.
0: Yeah, like there's that great sequence right at the end of the part one where he brings the um the boy back to the um like the, the Cairo I don't know, military office or whatever. Yeah. And I just everyone is there is being, being like extra, like it's probably the only part in the film where there's like racial slurs in it as well. Yeah. Like everyone's being so racist and it's like, no, he he deserves to be here, you know. Yeah. yeah. He get him some water, I say so. Or lemonade even, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, it's lemonade. <laughs> um so I feel like Another thing,
1: some of the deaths, I don't know, like they weren't as impactful as I feel like they should have been. Right. So, you know, there's... He gets those two servant boys yeah, who he, he then looks after because, you know, they are orphans and he sort of is a father figure to them. And then one of them falls in quicksand and dies and he just moves on
0: immediately. <laughs> well yeah but he's kind of got to hasn't he like his sort of... well yeah
1: yeah like I understand the reasoning behind it but it's sort of like you know and then the other boy dies and he's just like okay <laughs>
0: moving on well, I'd say with you know, the first he cries one, though, for a little bit and it's like meh. well because with the first one like, there's that bit where he's just like completely dead silent for the next like 15 minutes and like he just has this yeah. like weathered look on his on his face so I feel like there's definitely just like trauma involved there Yeah, can't remember what happens when the second one dies um, but yeah, it's good. It's good. It's worth a watch if you can yeah. stomach the
1: very long runtime.
0: <laughs> yeah, i I mean, like, so yeah, this is the this is the third time I watched it. Um, the f- first time I watched it, like, I think I was like maybe thirteen. Uh, yeah, like I fell asleep and I was like, this is really boring. Um, but like, the, like second time I saw it in a cinema and that was that was fantastic. And this time, like, I just I didn't really feel the length of it at all. But then I, I watched the first part in the afternoon and watched the second part in the evening. I had like a three hour gap, which I think right. does help with these kind of films. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so do you, do you still think this should be? It, it's worthy of being considered a classic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because the the racial problems aside, like I feel like this is a really good telling of a story that I could see. I don't know, maybe not being released today but you know something similar like mm. it's very very well
0: made or <laughs> well, yeah like there's also like the whole Arabian conflict is sort of overshadowed when we talk about World War I because it's all about like the European stuff and I think without this film yeah yeah, yeah. you know we, we we barely know anything about like in in like popular media about the Arabian uprising and stuff
1: yeah because I didn't know anything about you know this and it's a really interesting side of history that we don't yeah. know about
0: and you took history at A-level,
1: so, you know. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, they didn't teach you about this stuff. They, like... Exactly.
0: Just... that, Which is what's so great about cinema. It's, it's learning stuff you'd never learn in school. Yeah. Everything I learned, I learned from the movies. Which was... <laughs> who did say that, actually? I want to say Marilyn Monroe, but I'm not actually sure. <laughs> if you know who said that, email us <laughs> in <us. laughs> But which time we'll have looked it up. <laughs> okay. Um... Yeah, so that's Andrew's Film Education for this week. Uh, next week, or will it be next week, or will it be in four months' time? Or four weeks' time? <laughs> oh,
1: so, yeah, four months' time. Uh, I will have watched something.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll be watching Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Which is one of my favourite films. Because uh, I also time, have, because part of why I've mentioned
1: that is because I have Apocalypse Now. I also have Hearts of Darkness.
0: Oh, yes. Heart of Darkness,
1: whatever it is. Hmm. Um, because I want to watch. Well, I say I want to watch Apocalypse Now, but apparently that documentary is supposed to be really, really, really good.
0: Yeah, it is but considered one of the best, like make like behind the scenes of a film kind of documentaries of all time. Because I mean, Apocalypse Now was is, is really fascinating in terms of what happened behind the scenes. Like it, it is a miracle that film got made at all. Really, mm. and you'll see more about them in the documentary. But just just how much shit went wrong with that film. <laughs> yeah, is um, it
1: Francis Ford Coppola?
0: It is. Yeah. It's, it's the one film of his that I actually really love. Well, I do need to rewatch Godfather, but Apocalypse, yeah, I think you'll like it. Okay. Um, also, which I think do the theatrical cut rather than read Okay. Uh, but sure. I'll, dis- I'll discuss the differences when we do it. But yeah, I'd say do theatrical cut for now. And if you have any reviews or thoughts on Apocalypse Now you'd like to uh, tell us for us to discuss on that segment, you can email us at cynimambles at gmail.com. <laughs> <Fuck laughs> It's in again. It's in again. <laughs> Righty ho. On okay. to Andrew's horror education. Oh my god. <laughs> it's an education heavy episode this week.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's gotta have a better name.
0: <laughs>
1: well are we are we calling it relation Andreulation? well, that sounds like a sexual act. <laughs>
0: annihilation drew I, I don't know I, I don't think I can make that one work uh, I
1: don't feel like we could wedge these words together
0: no Andrew's annihilation <laughs> <laughs> that's sure that's well. fucking <laughs> awful
1: um,
0: yeah so this week Andy's also watched annihilation if you couldn't tell from that torches <laughs> <laughs> opening this is why we need jingles yeah um We need jingles and better names for things. (laughs) If you have any good better names for our sake. Oh, for fuck's sake, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, Annihilation, which is one of my favourite films the last couple of years. um, uh, So, yeah, for those who haven't seen, this is Alex Garland's uh, second directorial film, uh, which is about... uh, There's this this strange sort of... um, Field called the Shimmer, as in, like, sort of like it's, it's sort of this, this area of um, land in the US has been taken over by this strange sort of physical phenomena. And every sort of group that goes in doesn't really return. If they do, they they sort of don't last very long, and no one knows what's really going on in there. And so, this team is sent in, I think it's the when well, in the book, it's the 12th expedition. I can't remember if they state in the film actually, but they send in this group to see what's going on, and things are pretty fucky. <laughs> So you've read the book, have you? I have read the book. Yeah. Well, I start because because my uh, for a bit of context, my screenplay that I wrote at Unity was based heavily on Annihilation to some degree. So I did read the book in preparation.
1: So, I mean, we could do a, a
0: fundamental as well if there is much of a difference. Um, there's definitely. uh I'm not sure if it's fundamental as such. Like, it's not like a one small change or anything. Um. I mean to be honest, basically the the film is I would say uh, mainly loosely adapted. Like obviously the the general concept and the characters and the setting are all the same, and the lighthouse is in it. But otherwise, like the event, the plots of it are completely and utterly different. Okay. So, but I mean, it, depending how far you can stretch the definition of fundamentals, i I can talk about it. <laughs> well,
1: okay. Well, let's talk about the film. Um, so yeah. it's got Natalie Portman is the main lady. Yeah uh called lena and she's a biologist she is a biologist yep and she her husband is a soldier played by jason
0: jason jason what's his name jason isaacs yes no no wait who shit who is it i do know him Oscar, Oscar Isaac, Isaac. that Jason. was it I knew it
1: was an no
0: Isaac where he got Jason from well there is a Jason Isaac but it's not it's like, I know it's an Isaac because it's yeah Oscar yeah, Isaac yeah, yeah. who's also in um, Ex Machina which is the other one yes. of the other Alex Garland films which have you seen nope Ah, you've got to watch Ex Machina it's great okay <laughs> back to Annihilation um, he
1: yeah went into the obviously it was really secret and um, yeah he was missing for 12 months presumed dead M.I.A. as they say
0: hmm or KIA? Well, I mean, I suppose yeah, MIA, if I, if I don't know, he's been killed for sure, you know. Yeah. I think that's how um, it that
1: works. And Natalie Portman's obviously very sad, and she's mourning him, and she doesn't have any friends, and she works at university and whatever, um, and then he turns up at her, you know, just in the the house. Yeah. Um, and when she's asking him these questions, he hasn't got any idea like
0: yeah, he has no memory yeah, he, really of what happened yeah. or like, She's like who yeah. he is.
1: where were you stationed, you know what did you do, how long were you there for? Blah blah blah. He's always like, oh I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, and then he has like starts bleeding yeah. everywhere. and I, has, like, I love, organ
0: failure. And... It's just that that great shot where he just takes the, the drink of water and puts it down, and said that tiny bit, drop of blood just. Bread yeah. inside and just goes. I don't feel right. That's like, oh, yeah. I love and that then you scene. Cut to the ambulance, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and then yeah, the ambulance gets pulled over by like three helicopters and like a convoy of black SUVs, and a load of armed soldiers get out, and then uh, they take them to a facility which is right next to the shimmer and all yeah. that, and you know that we go from there. Um, so they're putting together a team. Of scientists who all happen to be female, yeah, which I don't think is significant at all.
0: It's, I think, I don't can't remember if I'm making this up or not. But I think in the in the book, because it's like we've only sent men in so far and they don't return. Let's try women. I think is the the idea behind it. Okay, because there
1: was like a they hinted sort of vaguely at that. Yeah. But other I, than that, it was I think like...
0: it's something like that. Right, but because they basically because they have everyone they send in, they literally just get no information back. So like, well, I don't know. We'll just try. Changing it, try and work out what it is. Yeah, it's sort of yeah. I think that's the certainly in the book. I think that's what they say.
1: Um, but basically, it it the shimmer is growing, mm. and they have no idea what's causing it or how to stop it, and they can't do anything about it. They can't look into it because it, everything is gets destroyed. No yeah. one will come out, or well, you know, if they have, they've get all fucked well, up and can't remember anything. Question mark. Spooky, whatever. Mm. Um, so they send them in. Natalie Portman's like, well, I'm going in because I've got to find out what happened. Yeah, it's so like I need to know. And they go in, and everything's a bit fucky, as Nick said.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could elaborate further, but I think Annihilation is, is so much more powerful just watch and see for yourself. Yeah, you describe it. Just partially won't do it justice, and partially would just sort of spoil some of the like just the fantastic imagery and atmosphere in that film. There
1: are there is some amazing imagery. Mm. There is some incredible imagery, actually. Yeah. Like what I do love, and I, you did say I would love this before. Yeah. This reason is that it's so Lovecraftian.
0: Absolutely. Like I said, <laughs> like apparently the whole... there was. It was at least somewhat inspired by Color Out Space. Yeah, um, I, I having can, read that, hundred percent.
1: Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. See that,
0: especially that this like purple tint to like the shimmer as well. Like how the yes. car, <laughs> the color Outer space is just purple, <laughs> which I still well, yeah. love. <laughs>
1: Um, I do, yeah, I can see the very, very strong Lovecraftian themes mm. throughout. But there is one scene in particular where it is just so good. Yeah. I don't know, can we spoil it? Is this, well, a spo- this is a spoiler-free review, I guess.
0: Well, I mean, that's us stop Lawrence Arraby being spoiler-tastic. But... That is true. See, I-
1: but then mm. this whole episode is going to be spoilerful.
0: <laughs> yeah, well... The- the thing is, because to talk about Annihilation in any like real detail, I appreciate it. We do probably have to spoil it. Well, the like. So okay. here we go then. <laughs> if anyone here hasn't seen Annihilation, just stop now. Go go for li- listen. Go for watch the Annihilation. It's fantastic. Um, and then come back, and we'll discuss some more spoilery things. So those rewarding right now on YouTube and Spotify. Go to YouTube and copy the time codes. I don't know. We need a better system. <laughs> I don't. Think um, there must. I don't know. Anyway, right, right. Anyway, moving on. Um, so,
1: the scene with the bear, yes, is my so favourite bit so far. Like, uh, like, my god, so good. But also the bit in the swimming, like, where the the swimming pool where they find the, uh, the footage. Mm. That bit is also really really good.
0: Yeah. Some
1: of the imagery in the whole film is just amazing.
0: Yeah, what I, what I like about it is I was saying to you earlier was that um, it's probably one of the best on screen like sort of depictions of like the undescribable rendered visually. Yeah, like that's the big thing about Lovecraft is like besides like Cthulhu which he describes quite a lot like most of his creatures are like you know I can't describe it because I'd go insane to do it like it's sort of beyond human yeah. comprehension description and geometry and uh, Annihilation sort of somehow managed to achieve that kind of design. Um, yeah. Like in particular, um, the first of the alien at the end, which I can really des- only describe as like a, a sort of a pulsing ball of light. But that doesn't oh, even that. do it yeah. remotely justice for just how bizarre and formless it looks. Um, but it's so
1: perfect as well, like perfect in the way that like describing the undescribable, because it's so hard to then describe. Then isn't it? Like, yeah. t- how do you describe that? It's like this ball of light that's writhing and rippling with these weird shapes and colors and it just looks yeah it's such an amazing um depiction of an alien because you know in in every other thing aliens you know have physical form and they have you know they're bipedal yeah or or
0: in some way like they look sort of human shaped because that's what they're they're humanoid yeah
1: yeah whereas in this it's just this fourth dimensional indescribable mm. thing that is Amazing, but I think it was just such. A, yeah, you're right. Like yeah. that's
0: such a good depiction of it. Then the great thing is it then becomes humanoid, but it's it's strange because it's it. You know, it's completely expressionless. It's devoid of detail, even. There's like this perfect like sort of Im- copy of like the human form, and all it does yeah. is just simply mimic Lena's actions, and like it's yeah. you know it's we don't even know if the alien's benign or if it's got any intent at all. But as far as can tell, it's just curious. It's just sort of trying to understand its environment. Just by copying yeah. what it sees, and I love that that simple innocence somehow makes it even more terrifying. The way it sort yeah, of appears so and menacing,
1: moves, yeah. It's menacing,
0: isn't it? Yeah, but I think it's the fact because it's unknowable because there's no expression. There's, it's it's basically uncanny valley, I guess, because it looks human but with no way to tell what it's thinking or what it's feeling, and it just yeah. feels intensely uncomfortable. Plus, the score helps. I really love the score. The score is bit. very
1: very good. Um, yeah. So this this movie is really like was. Well, very poorly received.
0: Yeah. I uh, think there were well,
1: some problems with the cinema release as well, wasn't
0: there? Yeah. So, um, um, the, the story, story is basically out. they completed saying like the first cut or one of the like last cuts to film, a cut of it. And um, Fox, who I think it was Fox, either Fox or Paramount, who distributed it. I need to double check that though. Well, um, basically, the, the producer looked at it and was like, this is too weird. Mainstream audiences aren't going to like it. It's, it's not going to do well at cinemas. We don't want to distribute it anymore in cinemas. So then Netflix sort of... Um, no They were like, we will distribute it if you basically change and make it less weird and more mainstream and acceptable. And Alex Garland and his producer were like, no, this is the film we want to sell," which I respect so much. I love you, Alex Garland. Yeah. Please marry me. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so having done that, um, basically they lost most of the distribution rights in the US for thia- theatres. So Netflix came in as like, we'll distribute internationally and we'll try and get you some theatre runs. So it had like a very limited theatrical run in America and over here was or digital, or Netflix. Yeah.
1: Okay. It's weird that, just complete aside here, it's weird that how important they think running a movie in America is for some reason, even though it's such a tiny margin of their profits. Hmm. It's like distribution and rights in America is really important when it's actually just not that important, considering... (laughs) You know,
0: it's, it's just a small percentage of your earnings because there's a thing um, we talked about at uni a lot it's called like the long tail which is like it's if you basically plot the, the financial uh, I guess achievements of a film on the graph there's like this spike of it where it gets like its initial box office run I and mean, then it sort of trails off and the idea is nowadays with streaming and home medias is to not worry too much about the box office initially but to make sure it's got a longevity in people and that's how it makes more money in the long run yeah, and I think that's increasing a more, much more important thing. Like, I think it's increasingly the initial cinema run isn't that important as long as the film's got the longevity to withstand the test of time and stuff. Yeah, which I think Annihilation encapsulates quite well. Like, oh yeah, maybe audiences won't get it in the theatre, whatever. But like, by in, by holding onto its integrity as well as what it's trying to do and and holding that uniqueness, it will guarantee people come back to it for years because there's like nothing else like it. Yeah, that is true. Mm. It's it's really yeah, it is good.
1: Yeah, it's definitely
0: um, it's, it's not perfect. Like, um, no. Also, well, it's interesting because I've tried to reconcile this on a couple. I've watched it, I think, at least twice now, uh, maybe three times actually. But um, like the first couple of times I watched it, I was sort of like it felt sort of emotionally distant and cold, and I felt kind of, it felt, I felt it kind of like difficult to get really into like the characters and stuff. But on reflection, I felt that's part of it. Like, it's so, it's so sort of hostile. In its in like, every part of its atmosphere, and I, I feel like that's part of its sort of its, its feel to be like kind of like emo- yeah. like emotionally cold. I dunno. What do you think?
1: I think yeah. Actually, now you mention that, you're you're you've got a point there. Like because I didn't I didn't love any of the characters. Like Lina's no. okay. Like she's a serviceable main character, but you don't love her. You know when she's in in mortal peril, hmm. I'm I'm like I hope she gets out of it. But if she doesn't, you know whatever. <laughs> But it's the same like the rest of her her team. So there's what five of them? Uh, four,
0: four. Yeah, no, there's five. No. Yeah, there's five. Nick. Oh, there's four in the book. <laughs> well, there's five in the film. Oh, wait, name them. <laughs> so you call yourself some a of annihilation. Name one character. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's, Tessa
1: Thompson. She's in it. Yeah. Ventress.
0: Oh, no, there is five. Yeah, sorry, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gina Rodriguez
1: scene. and uh, Shepherd, and then Natalie Portman. That's five. I like how I named a couple of characters and then some actresses.
0: <laughs> well, the, but that's the point, isn't it? What were the characters' names? Unlike, say, an alien. I
1: remember Lena, Ventress and Shepard. Yeah. And that was it.
0: <laughs> like an alien, you know, got Dallas, Brett, Ripley, uh, Parker, uh, Lambert, Kane, Ash. That's all, of, yeah, that's all seven, you know. And like you know, a- Alien, which is always like the, the go-to example for like horror and characterization. You know, we we know all those characters, we care for them, we f- they feel convincing, and we we want to like we care for them emotionally. But I yeah. think there is a coldness in Annihilation where you don't get that same, cu- you don't get feel for the characters on that same level all so that um, like have you seen anything by Nicholas Winding Refn, like Dri- you haven't seen Drive it, have you? No, no, okay, because going to compare it to there's like. Alex Garland, and he did this a bit in devs recently as well. Although I don't know, but basically there's this thing with like their characters are quite sort of there's something cold about the way they deliver dialogue and the way they act. There's something almost like not robotic as such, but there's definitely sort of lacking some kind of warmth. And I think it must be stylistic because I see a lot of it happening. And with annihilation, it kind of works because it's got that sort of again like a hostile atmosphere to it. I sort of think, yeah, yeah. Well, I, w-
1: I was gonna say like. um the her team like Lena's team, like, so the five characters. There's no one. If we compare this to Alien, then there's no one who's really lovable, and there's no one who you hate. You know, I yeah. even Gina Rodriguez, who who goes crazy and and sort of stabs them in the back. Mm. Even she, I was you know I didn't hate her. I was like that the, the, you know that's just some good character development. Yeah, I, I, you never hate any of the characters, even Ventress, who is um, always really cold. And annoying and like heartless, you know you you don't you don't hate her either. Again, it's just character. Um, whereas you know in Alien, like you you love that you love the two maintenance guys because they're funny and they're like yeah. you know cool, and you you hate fucking Bilbo Baggins because he's a knobhead. What Bilbo? <laughs> Bilbo. Bilbo? Who? Bilbo. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins? Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> yeah. What are you on <laughs> about? Bilbo Baggins is in the film. Is in it Alien? Him? Yes. What? I can't remember his name. The, 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 uh, the guy. Ash. Ash, Ash. is Ian Holm. And Ian Holm plays
0: Bilbo Baggins. Martin Freeman? Well, wait, in which version? Oh, wait, you mean... In um... Lord of the Rigs you did. Oh, is that Ian Holm? I don't believe that. <laughs> that is Ian Holm. It's oh. Bilbo Baggins. Well, sorry. When you say Bilbo Baggins, I'm thinking of <laughs> Martin Freeman. Why? No. Uh... Oh, what, what an aggressive way to learn some trivia <laughs> oh. Andy, you screaming at me Bilbo Baggins from Alien is not helpful <laughs> <laughs> None of them are called Bilbo Bilbo Baggins Is in Alien I literally named the characters like five
1: minutes ago <laughs> but you, didn't, you didn't mention Bilbo Baggins So I, you lost me <laughs>
0: Sorry, I'll recount it. It's okay. Parker, Dallas, Ripley, Kane, Bilbo, Baggins and Lambert. <laughs> uh, anyway, back point? To my point. <laughs>
1: yeah, but you you like, oh. you know, you like Ripley. You yeah. like Dallas because he's like the cool captain. You don't yeah. like Ash because he's like, oh, you know, the the corporate nerd who's being a, a dickhead about everything. Yeah, and
0: he's all very cold and
1: sort of, you know. And Lambert's really annoying, because all she does is scream. Yeah,
0: unslap Ripley. (laughs) Yeah,
1: whereas in, in Annihilation, they don't fall into those sort of things you know one of them isn't the funny one and one of them isn't like oh the you know the annoying one or the sassy yeah. one and you don't hate one of them you know normally in these things is a team member who's who you hate who is supposed to be an antagonist yeah which Gina is sort of venturous,
0: or at least in the book it's supposed to be venturous, and the film yeah like you're right it's yeah it's not really de- none of them are developed enough to really develop that kind of yeah like a distinct characterization or that kind of a- appeal
1: yeah, they're all almost because interchangeable. It, it's sort of given to to, to Gina Rodriguez a bit, hmm. but it's never really.
0: Like a lot know, of it seems beyond that. Their antagonism seems almost like it's situational rather than characterised. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they're yeah, they're yeah. just yeah. reacting to the situation rather than being like, as this character, I'm reacting like this. It's just more. It's all the more almost sympathetic the way they react. I guess I don't know. I know what I mean. I don't know if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, situational. That just yeah.
0: makes sense, yeah. Um
1: but there is the all of the like the, the set design is fantastic as well. Yeah. Like having the flowers um you know, all these different species of flowers coming from one stem is like really cool. Having the hmm. humans flowers, you know, the people made out of flowers. Yeah, you know, trees really cool. grown into look like people like mm. he, just the, the plant-based imagery looks amazing
0: <laughs> and I love the um in the lighthouse as well the sort of the weird cavern I love the weird like because it's not like tentacles as such but it's all these weird it more like, looks
1: more like roots doesn't yeah, it yeah I everything. guess it must be it like roots and stuff of, yeah. yeah it made me think of like tree roots more than
0: tentacles that's another thing quickly like because um, this is like a, a lot of this film the horror is like the imagery of stuff that's sort of happened before it's like you know the idea of like we're late to the past and got to figure out what's happened so we see these like the evidence of previous expeditions, which I think is one of the best yes. images in it. Like there's the, um, in the lighthouse, the, um, it is uh, Oscar Isaac, isn't it? Who? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm for it. like, this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was trying to remember if it was him or something. Yeah. It's been a while since I saw it, but because there's this, the outline of his like, you know, burnt body on the wall and the ashes near it. And yeah, not just like in, like, i just that image. like the mean, we yeah. we then see the camcorder, which tells, and it shows us what happened, which adds to it. But like, it just seeing that image is enough to be like, shit, what happened here? Yeah. And also the um but in the
1: swimming pool, you know, they've got like the cut open body that's Yeah. and his plants have like sprung yeah, like that looks amazing. That
0: that's, Oh, I just love the design on it. It reminds me of like reminds me of something like from the thing, just the way this like this complete defamation of the human form. Like I'm a sucker yeah. for body horror and this film like really ticks that box. Just the the things they do to a human in that.
1: <laughs> yeah. There was some really, really cool stuff in there. I can see why people don't like it because yeah, yeah it is it is hard to not hard to engage with, but it's hard to feel emotionally engaged with.
0: Yeah, and I think also
1: all the characters are so I don't know, unfeeling, I guess.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if this is gonna be snooty someone snooty to say, but like I feel like most I, th- I th- in a way Fox or Paramount, whoever it was, was sort of right in that I think if you've not watched much weird sci-fi and horror. This will probably be like, what the hell is this? Like, I'm not yeah. sure how well this would do with like the mainstream. But you know, I'm I'm I, I yeah. love this because I'm I'm into like things like Akira and like Midsummer, like the, the weirder side of like sci-fi and horror, and like again like body horror and stuff. So I don't know. I and um...
1: but I, I the reason I really like it is because it's you know Lovecraftian in a modern setting. Yeah, which I think is is quite hard to do. Like the reason. Lovecraft is hard to do on film or or set in the modern day at least is because we record everything right now you know yeah it wouldn't be like you have to rely on one man you know one person's account of this as story and then you don't know if they're a reliable narrator or not because Uh. they could be fucking mental whereas you know setting it in the modern day is hard to believe you know that it's harder to see because you've got recordings everywhere and stuff but the way they do that obviously is it's the shimmer no one can see in, no one can come out um Mm. and you see these people going mad but also they aren't reliable narrators either because they keep losing their memory they keep you know you don't know if they are sane or not and it's it's just done really well it's done in a way that's very in modern age, and I like that.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned the whole unreliable narrative thing because in the book is, um, from this perspective, basically, they have to keep journals of what they find in the shimmer, and the book is framed as Lena's journal okay. and it starts in media stress. We don't know any of the background context, he just wakes up in the shimmer and it's like, I don't know how long I've been here, I don't know where we are, what's going on. I I mean, they, it's like, and I and I guess, over so all that in the book, you'd like. It, again, there's a strong sense of unreliable narrator because it's literally just like she's we only have her word for what's going on, and some dodgy yeah. things happen in the book, so <laughs> yeah. You know. But like, just, yeah, that's what you're saying about Lovecraftian things and be like from like one character's account. That's quite yeah, you probably quite like the book then, I'd say.
1: Yeah, I am um, having now seen the film, I, I do want to read the book,
0: yeah. Um, I guess to close this out, then I'll, I'll do a quick comparison of the book, like a mini fundamentals. But, like, so I mean, in the book, the main thing is about there's this, um, so the lighthouse is there as well, but it sort of comes later and it's not as important. Um, and the alien doesn't really get involved, certainly not in the same way. But there's instead there's this thing called, um, well, some people call it the tower, some people call it the tunnel, and there's this big thing about them arguing over what it should be called. But it's like a vertical tower that goes into the ground for seemingly an infinite distance down. It reminds me of 87B, actually, um, SCP. But, like, okay. yeah. But, yeah. And so they spend, like, a certainly good half of the book exploring this tower, just going, uh, trying to see how far down they can go. And there's, like, all this weird, like, there's this plant life that forms writing on the walls. And it's, like, this endless poem. And it's, detri- and it, like, that seems to make no sense, but it sounds so ominous. And then at the bottom, there's some kind of monster, which they never see. And, you know, and though they only, again, they only see like, the aftermath of it attacking one of the victims and stuff. Um, yeah. But, yeah. And then. And like, like, so the bear's not in it, for example, either. There's a oh, scene... Oh yeah, so we should talk about that because we didn't mention that. Oh, well, the bear. Said. Did we
1: not mention the bear? We sort of briefly mentioned it. Oh shit, that the bear's like is... the best scene. <laughs> yeah, it genuinely is the best scene. Yeah. Let's talk about the bear quick. Let's
0: talk about the bear. Yeah, so... The so, bear. <laughs> well, well, so while they're in um, the swimming pool place... what? I feel like it's not actually a swimming pool, is it? So, no, no, it's a fort. It's a yeah, fort. It's a fort but it happens to have pool. a swimming pool. Yeah. Yeah. But so while they're is there, that, is it a fort or like an army base or something? It's, you know? Yeah, it's some kind of outpost, certainly. But so at night they're doing their sort of patrols, and there's this great shot because they're, they're like looking through the um, like the binoculars, like night vision, and they hear yeah. one of the people scream, and they just look over and they see like a few frames. You see this large bear-like thing take her into the into the like the, the foliage. Yeah, and it's so like you can barely even see it. Like it's just like a flash kind of thing, and that's great. And it's just like she's gone. And we hear yeah. nothing of this bet. We though nothing about. They try and find her. They find like a pack, I think, but she's long gone. Are no, we, they do find her corpse. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah. it has been. It's been a while since I saw it. They, they um, find
1: her body, and she's like had a throat ripped out, and yeah. you know is completely gored and
0: disgrace. Mm. But yeah, the great thing is this, this. So this thing takes her. We only we barely get a good look at it, and it's gone, and we would have no idea what it was or where it went or where it came from, kind of thing. And then later on, uh. It's only a, a good like half hour later, I think, and yeah. they're like, um, thingy's gone mad. Rodriguez. I really don't. I, this is pretty much why I don't, the names. <laughs> Gina Rodriguez. Yep. She, yep. She's gone mad, and she's got like the other three left tied up, and she's like trying to be like you know, she thinks one of them's a traitor and stuff like that, and that's one one of them's picking them all off kind of thing. And then we just yeah. hear the character who went missing, and you just hear her screaming for help outside, and the whole everything just goes silent. And I love it because there's this, there's this great kind of Sense of dread, but you know, because um, because you know, we've we've seen, yeah, we've seen the corpse. We know she's dead. How could we, she be screaming? But in as the same way, the character, because she has this moment of like, she's alive. She must be alive. And runs out, and meanwhile, we're sitting here being like, but she, she's dead. That yeah. can't be her. What's making that noise? And then we hear the scream. Yeah, and then we just hear. This... And then
1: the bear comes in. Oh, oh. my god.
0: <laughs> so this bear has been like, it's been mutated with like, with uh thingy. Whoever we're missing, but basically a human. So it's got like it's got human shepherd. features, Shepard. It's got like human features like melted into its head. It's got this one like human eye that sort of like looks around. It's got like it's, and it's skull got, well, is like, yeah,
1: its skull is coming out of its face. Like yeah. it looks just so good. And like the, the imagery of that is so horrific. Mm. Like it looks so good. Like and half its jaw is like hanging off and it's yeah. Oh my god. It's,
0: uh, but the best yeah. bit is the sound design. Because yeah every time this bear makes any kind of m- noise or roar it just it's a human vocalisation but it's also presumably the last like human vocalisation it heard which is like you know help someone help me god kind of thing so you just have this bear like plodding around these like three terrified characters like, occasionally made like, these like horrified distorted human screams of help and it's oh it's such good horror and
1: yes it's it ah, so
0: good and it's so tense as well. It's quite a short scene, really, all things considered, but like it's 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 definitely like the highlight of the film in terms of that. Like that's the the horror at its absolute peak, and it's it's one of my favourite horror scenes in recent memory. Actually, it's so good.
1: Yeah, it is. It is just top tier. Like, and it's just screaming in their ear, like yeah. you know, but breathing, and it's like, will it get them? Mm. And then it takes like a full clip of you know, rifle fire into the face to kill it, which is so yeah. good.
0: But I love also, oh, there's, a, there's a shot, reverse shot, that's, like, completely, like, straight on, no angles in it, of, like, one of them, like, looking terrified, and we look back on the bear, and it's just staring straight to you at the camera, and we just see the, like, the human eye sort of, like, move a bit, and, like, staring. It's it's, it's the human eye, because there is this thing about, like, because the human eyes are white with the, the colour bit in the middle, so we can see more clearly where something's looking animals don't yeah. really have that in the same way so there's something inherently freaking about seeing and may, you know knowing it is looking at you and like it's me. yeah that one human eye staring out in terror because that's the other thing as well like talking about you, you were saying oh, like the um the great thing about the shimmer is it's not evil there's no intent behind it it just is it just exists
1: yeah and things and like, exist I inside of that as well like, yeah
0: and again it adds to that threat it's somehow even more scary but with the bear the as well because it's the the bear's not only, only attacks them out of defense, really, or, or you know desperation for food. Yeah. And it, it you know, it doesn't. It it, it seems like it's it, it's hurt. It's in pain. You know, it does. It doesn't seem like it really wants to attack them. It's just investigating, really. And I think there's, and there's, there's something about. I think that panic gets portrayed for that eye. Really, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. <laughs> yeah. But, but, Yeah. <laughs> I just love that scene. It's the best. Yeah,
1: that's a really, really good bit. Like that's some, just such strong imagery but yeah like i think we should like that that is really important like that is cosmic horror to a t yeah that um you know the alien or the shimmer itself you know this whole thing isn't evil it just yeah. is and i i love that so much more than you know texas chase massacre where it is just yeah. they're evil people trying to kill mm. people but the, the shiver just exists and it's so much more terrifying because it doesn't want anything like, yeah. In the in the way the film is like, um, it's, um, the scientists after Lena gets out, presumably the scientists asking her, her account of what happened. So she's yeah. just telling them and at, right at the end, like she's finishing her account and they're like, okay, but what did it want? And she's like, it, it didn't want anything. It, it yeah. just, it just exists. And it's like, that's, you know, more terrifying than anything because how do you stop something that doesn't want anything? It's just growing.
0: Yeah, there's nothing you can do to appease it or stop it. It, it just yeah. is and will always be and there's nothing we can do except just try and avoid it as it takes over our world.
1: And I, I love that because that mm. is more scary than a spooky man with a chainsaw, you know? <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. I also, okay, but, right. Last yeah. last thing before we finish up because okay. it's probably gone on for ages but... Going back to what I was saying at the beginning of the glass, because now we're on spoiler and I can talk about it. But, so, one of the reasons that shot is one of my favourite shots in the thing is because, you know, the whole thing is about... So the shimmer is basically like, it, it just diffracts DNA. In the same way, like, a, a a block of glass would diffract light and scatter it. Yeah. The shimmer just diffracts DNA. I
1: knew, I knew. As soon as that, <laughs> it had a close-up on the glass. I was like,
0: that is important. Yep, exactly. This is, this this is time. This is visual <laughs> storytelling. I love how... Yeah. Because there's, there's this theory about, like, you know, the, the first shot of a film should, like, summarise the film, basically. And obviously, it's not the first shot, but it's an early shot, and that one shot perfectly exemplifies it. We see, like, his finger, and actually I think we see his whole body at one point, like, just diffracted in the glass and distorted.
1: Well, we see they're, they're Alina and, and Oscar Isaac holding hands...
0: Yeah, that's the it. Glass. And that's I was like, "Oh,
1: that is going to be important."
0: <laughs> mm. And then again, like the the drop of blood, and we just see the one drop of blood then slowly spread and deteriorate and decay into chaos. You know, through entropy. And,
1: yeah. Oh,
0: great shot. Great yeah. film. Very, very <laughs> and good. That's visual <laughs> storytelling. Yeah, definitely. Right, top tier. Yeah. Um, so next time on Andrew's Horror Education, we'll be doing *Wreck* probably. Yes. Yeah, which we said we were going to do this week, but... Yeah, but I
1: watched Annihilation. Yeah, and I'm glad you did. Okay, so next week, hopefully, if all things go to plan... Hopefully. And and Nick doesn't pull in Andrew and just not watch the films. uh,
0: (laughs) No, because I keep my promises, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) We're going
1: to introduce a new segment. Yay! Called Nick's documentary education which is dreadful we
0: need better names (laughs) for it he's got three whole uh, segments which are just something something education
1: (laughs) which is just awful please anyone uh, if you've got suggestions (laughs) for
0: names (laughs)
1: please um where nick says he hasn't seen very many documentaries i've seen a lot of documentaries because i really like documentaries and i've watched a lot of them for uni so i'm gonna show nick a load of very important and influential documentaries to broaden his horizons as he has been doing for me. So hopefully next week we're going to watch Touching the Void. I'm
0: very interested to see it. Yeah.
1: Which is a very, very good documentary and I hope you enjoy it. And then we can talk all about uh, Bill Nichols' modes of documentary again.
0: Yay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Cause well, mostly because there's a really, really interesting sequence in Touching the Void that we have to talk about. Um, and I I just want to see what you think about it.
0: Okay, well, I'll be looking forward to it. I hope you will be at home. And if you'd like to watch along and comment your (laughs) reviews, (laughs) you know the email. Oh, fuck no. (laughs) Uh, Right, I think we should better end it there. You've been listening to the Cine Rambles podcast with Nick and Andrew. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Cine Rambles official, and you can follow us on Twitter at Cine Rambles and for more content you can find the blog over at cinerambles.blogspot.com and the Star Wars Ranked Retrospective will continue at some point <laughs> I'm still writing part 3, it's, it's probably going to be quite long uh, um, so, Andy have you got any final remarks?
1: Bilbo Baggins famous star of Alien <laughs> <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs>
0: see you next week goodbye